welcome to episode 353 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. Black shirt, black hat, black heart. Russell John, the Fisherman. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. What's up, Dave? What's up? How are we feeling? Dude, black shirt. I'm wearing a heavy, heavy Lolo shirt, bro. Oh my goodness. I'm on the bandwagon now. They, they popped my uh, scene cherry, I think. You're about 14 years too late. I know. Well, you know what? Uh, the audience is <laughs> right in my age category, though. So I felt like a part of the crowd. I actually felt... Dude, it's weird when you go to like a niche music scene that's kind of aggressive and everybody's better dressed than you. Yeah. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm wearing a dumb t-shirt and I... I look like a child here. How did this happen? Also, uh, to bring into the fold is Oksana Valerian of Osachi, who was also at this heavy, heavy Lolo shirt. We'll provide more information with that, Oksana. Hi. There, but you're not wrong. There were, uh, compared to Sinister Creature Con, <laughs> a lot more attractive people oh, yeah. at the heavy, heavy Lolo show. Mm-hmm. What's that about? Including our buddy uh, Robbie Smith. Who, uh, he's a good looking man. Good front man, too. Very good front man. You know, I want to uh, officially renounce my hatred again 20 years ago. I didn't know what I was talking about. I was looking for an identity in high school, as we all do. And I identified with, uh, you know, cut off jean jackets and back patches, even though I would not wear them. I think the furthest I went in high school was I bought an Iron Maiden shirt from Hot Topic. And uh, what a fool I was. You have a jean jacket, don't you? You know what? There should be karate in the pit. <laughs> no karate. Randy knows what I'm talking about. Also bringing in Randy Michael Stat. Randy, we went to go see our friend Robbie Smith, who is out in Massachusetts now, but his band Heavy Heavy. What is this? Their 10-year reunion since they broke up? Is that why they're banging around? I, have, I think so. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Dude, uh, Randy, he wrote a song about you. And I only know uh, yeah. that because he introed it saying, this song's about breaking edge. Hell yeah. Dude. And then <laughs> that's what it's all about, dude. <laughs> Spend 29 years of your life, 29 years of your, your life not drinking or doing anything. And then you just go straight to alcohol and then mushrooms. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> well, more like half an alcohol and a mushroom. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You did but, not. Uh, I'm bummed. Well. I, uh, you know, not in town anymore, so couldn't make it to the show. Although I had seen Heavy Heavy Lolo multiple times back in the day before I ever knew Robbie. But I also, he knows this. We've talked about it. I, I wasn't a fan back in the day either, but I definitely would have gone if I was in town. Were you ever on the same bill as them? Um, I don't think so. No, but they played, you know, uh, a lot locally and. Just happened to be at shows that they also played. S- sort of in the same scene? Tangentially? Sort of. Um, yeah, I don't know. Stuff I was playing was like a little uh, less aggressive sounding, but yeah. yeah. But see, I, but see, you know, you got, you got puss at your show too. <laughs> that was puss at that show. There's puss out there. That's what I'm saying. Oh my There's God. no puss for sure? this show. <laughs> What's the fucking problem here? Maybe it's because you say that word. I know. <laughs> Puss? Which is gross. Are you saying Clark's uh, verbal craft is uh, offensive to women? Often. I'm just saying there's a market out there somewhere. In somewhere, there may be a lady out there, and the way I'm talking, her panties are wet. Well, I just want want to acknowledge that in the, the crowd of cool people, I may have felt underdressed, but I was very happy. You were wearing a King Cobra long sleeve. 
<laughs> he didn't deserve to be anywhere. Hey, people people acknowledged it. They're like, oh, shit. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. No, not at that handsome okay, show. Maybe not people. Person acknowledged it. Went, oh, that's that YouTuber. I went, yep. He knew. He knew what's up. I don't know. There were too many neck tattoos. Oh, there were a lot of tattoos. People looked, uh, everybody looked like they were a tattoo artist there. Yeah. And uh, which made me feel very self-conscious. Yeah. I wanted to rip my shirt so they could see my my beholder tattoos. <laughs> Luckily, I was wearing. Wait, I didn't wear shorts. They couldn't see my geodude tattoo. Yeah, I don't know. They, 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 there were some attractive <laughs> people there. Like they're probably like lamos in real life. They're probably like court stenographers. And then you know when the sun goes down, they turn into some sex vampires. Yeah, fucking dumb court stenographers. Yeah, I think you my should see me when I go to shows these days. Uh oh. You're wearing what you're wearing now. A green <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. pocket. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I will say that we ended up in a in a little group of uh people talking about film who were all there because they were friends of Robbie. There Robbie used to go to the Alamo all the time with the homie and they uh would never agree on a movie. They would always either love it or hate it. I think they both agreed that they hated the ring <laughs> when they showed it, but Shout out to the homie. Also, there was a photographer that was on set for one of uh for morning deliveries, the short Stephen King that uh Robbie did. So there was refuge amongst all the hardcore kids, and we were able to talk film. I think actually I got recommended like five Korean movies while I was there. Oh, yeah. I know off mic we were talking a lot about Koreans, so I, they are the most attractive, and uh, they're killing it with film. So and fried chicken and fried chicken. Maybe uh our Fourth of July should be. Rebranded for a Korean fried chicken movie day. Tell me, I love the Koreans. I get, yeah, because we are Bobby recording. Lee. Come over. Oh, he's Korean. Yeah, I'd never actually thought about his um, heritage or oh, where he's, he's, he's from. He's Korean. Yeah, I don't know. What are we doing tomorrow? I know for the fourth, we were. Gonna I don't watch know about you, but I'm hunting for puss. <laughs> <laughs> so back to four chan. That's right. <laughs> it's eight coon. Now. Okay. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I love how Randy confirmed that. <laughs> <laughs> Affirmative. Yeah, and and I am wearing um, my heavy, heavy Lolo shirt. Again, I am in. I do want to mention one last thing about it. The tour dates are on the front, and there's nothing on the back. I like it. Oh, it's on the front? It's on the front. Dude, the tour dates are right here. Robbie. It's kind of cool. I don't know. I kind of like it. He's thinking outside the box here. Just doing his thing. There is no box. There's no box. That's right. Yeah, there's no box that <laughs> listens to this show. <laughs> I was box at Robbie's show. Okay. All of you uh, long, long time listeners, you got to help Clark out. Get some females to listen to this show. Let's try it. Let me diddle some puss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to be talking about diddling later. Oh, yes, we yeah, are. There's going to be some diddling. Little kids are involved, Randy, With so stay tuned. A specifically <laughs> colored foam. <laughs> Randy, did you watch that? Yeah, we'll get into it. Oh, oh you saw it? Yeah. Yeah! We got a lot of uh, we got a lot of shared movies Do coming. We up. do. What an episode! What a treat for all you listeners. All right. Well, you who we don't get... have vaginas. <laughs> all right. Should we get into it? Let's do it. All right. Well, again, this is everybody's favorite part of the show, where we introduce and uh, hang out very briefly with uh, the, the one of the best directors of our lifetime, David Lynch. Again, what are some movies he directed? The Straight Story. You got another one? Lost Highway, Jack? which I saw last night at the Plaza Theater for the new 4K restoration. Dude, I fucking love a Lost Highway. Uh, uh, Fuckland. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at you with the deep cuts. I know Fuckland. Now, here's the thing. 
I think you got in his fucking head last time. Mm. He came in here. He was riffing. A, he added 42 cars to the train. He did. I mean, at this point, we know the train's showing up. So we know we, know we have a bigger train. Okay, yeah, the train's growing. So the train has grown. So I don't expect back-to-back weeks of expansion on the train. Okay. Where do you think he's going? <sighs> well, there's that, think- Based upon the segment, there's nowhere to go but up <laughs> or off the tracks. Um, I think we're going back to coffee. Regression. He's gonna. Yeah, it's just back it's, to the regular. Yeah, he's train. regressing. I don't know. He's got a little bit of riff energy in him now. The only thing I want out of him is him to say treats, and I'm happy. He treats. hasn't been doing it. Oxana's <laughs> waiting for her cake. Okay, here's the deal. Let, let, let's let's make a new pact here. Okay. The day he mentions cake in any context, no, you want to fire is him. The day we no, end this no, segment, no, I, I think we owe it him. to ourselves. <laughs> No, we can't fire him. He's the only thing we got. That's how we kill him. We talked about this. Everybody hates our show. That's how we kill him. Flying in David is the only thing that saved this goddamn show. That's what's keeping puss off the air. That's what's getting our Patreon payments in. (laughs) (laughs) David Lynch can't be. All right, let's do it. All right, let's bring him in. Good morning. It's July 3, 2022, and it's a Sunday. Day two of weekend projects, and the fun work train runs continuously. And the dining cars, don't forget, fine food, treats. Oh, thank you. Drinks, including always hot, fresh coffee. The observation cars, we have been getting some complaints. Uh People say the chairs are so comfortable, they begin looking at the scenery going by, but they fall asleep. They say, actually, it's not a bad problem to have, and they love the observation cars. Everyone okay. have a great day, dude. He was going for it. I okay. gotta give it to him. He took it in a different direction. <laughs> he introduced the expansion and then immediately was like, "We're having complaints." Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's really painting that visual picture. There. But then the complaint is that it's too comfortable, dude. What kind of weird Karen was that complaining Man. about the observation card? She's like, "I keep falling asleep." What the, what's the deal with these that? seats are too nice watch now they're gonna pull the seats out of the fucking observation car. that's what happens dude again White folks it's your fault you were talking shit about him and he heard you now he's coming in here with this riff energy it's true which i kind of like so keep it up david i know he doesn't listen to the fucking show um this week no tbr again you know this happens what? when you put a found footage adventurer out there in the world you don't know what happened he may never come back the next time we see him, it might be on a movie that Bloomhouse releases or something. And it, he might be in a MAGA hat. There might be a lot of controversy. Maybe the QAnon cult killed him. We'll, we'll never know. But, uh, you know, we got to keep the show going. We got to keep it fresh. And, you know, everybody always talks about the cool segments on the show. So I brought back Clark's favorite segment, which I don't think he... Uh, honestly, I don't know if you've implemented any of the advice I've ever given you on this. Do you, know, do you know what I'm talking about? Well, here? you know, I think that you can implement advice without executing said advice. 
implement, <laughs> implement, execute. Uh, oh no, I have a technical difficulty here. What's I can't on? find the goddamn stinger for it. That's the whole fuck. Oh no, I found it. Because you, okay, you, you ready? name things that sh- <laughs> that make no sense. No, actually, they're very straightforward on there. I've learned my lesson with that. Where I'm like, wait. What the fuck is God? It's your brain. Sometimes y- you even get confused because I know when we think about uh, the film Freeway and the color coding system we had of like how we were ranking. Oh, don't films, don't disclose you that. You threw thirty seven <laughs> different colors in there. No, here's the thing, and I can distinguish two of them. Here's the thing. Uh, well, if it's light blue, then I'm I'm kind of thinking about it. But if it's bright yellow, no, 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 no. then that means that we're definitely <laughs> going to do it, but we need to get everybody on board. And if it's red, then we're not going to do it unless one of the light blues come in and it's starting to look a little bit more red. I was like, what are you talking about? Are you going to give a little context to this? It seems like you're having a stroke and I'm sure nobody knows what you're talking about. I'm just saying you're insane. I, yeah, I like to organize. So when people make there's dots, no organization. Oh, there is, and there's nuance. That's your problem. You have no nuance. You live in a colorblind world. You only see black and white. <laughs> you like to segregate your people and your organization. Your color coding system. <laughs> you needed to be housed in a mental institution. All right. Well, how dare you try to improve me and the person I am when this next segment is about improving you and Here the person go. you are. I like it. I love it. Here we go. Psychomagic. <laughs> also, that is not Google talking there. That is a uh, beautiful foreigner who I found on YouTube. She's a great person. I don't know her name. All right. So for our new listeners, um, which is unfortunate, <laughs> tell us a, a little bit about this segment. So, you know, we love our old prolific uh, white uh, directors here. And we just had David Lynch in. And there's another one that we love. We, you know, me and Clark talk about it. You they, do understand Jordorowski's not white. What color is he? Well, he's Latin. It counts. You know, it's Chilean. It's, oh my God. It's white uh, privilege. Alejandro Jordorowski, prolific filmmaker, does a lot of avant-garde film, authored a book that I picked up. And again, for those of you keeping track of how many books I've read this year, I'm at 21. I'm almost halfway there. I, I had a bump in the road. I'm still currently reading three right now, but I am persistent. I will make this goal. And one of them I picked up was uh, the manual psychomagic. Um, again, you traditional magic, like as in Harry Potter, you're usually casting a spell to affect somebody else. Like maybe you're trying to charm them. You're changing their mind. Psychomagic's about changing the way you think. So is this white magic? No, that's some pagan shit. Okay. This is psychomagic. Understood. Now, um, this week... So with this segment I've been using, I've been giving Clark very helpful information. It's not that demanding either. I think last time uh, Jodorowsky recommended that you travel to your birthplace and come back with 10 pounds of soil. And uh, plant a tree. And you put your head, you dunk it underwater. Like, this is easy shit. You could do it. This week, I hope you take the advice. Okay. We're going to Ritual 56. Here we go. This one is male cowardice. Oh. All right. Here we go. In general. Cowardice has its original origin in a severe father who punished and terrorized the child, threatening to crush him as his method for raising a child. However, the greatest terror we can experience in childhood, together with the greatest love, comes from a mother. Being the fountain of one's life, she is presented to us as an all-powerful goddess who at any moment can end our lives. The sacred man feels embarrassed. A quote-unquote little man. I feel like he's talking to you here, Clark. 
who is unconsciously longing to be stronger than his father in order to defeat the mother dragon. I advise the following. For one year, once every 28 days, a lunar month. The consultant goes to a supermarket and steals a beefsteak. He hides it in his underpants and wraps it around his testicles with, in order to absorb the power of his female flesh. At home, the consultant should grill it, eat half of it, and give the other half to a male animal, cat or dog. Your pick. In order to not accumulate guilt, after each robbery, the consultant should send an anonymous card to the supermarket's manager and close the exact sum of the cost of the beefsteak. This is the best one. <laughs> I think you might do it. This is the only one I would do. Okay. 100%. Well, to defeat the mother dragon, you need to wrap your loins in a beefsteak. You only have to eat half of it. I so, feel like you only so, eat half so, of it. So anyway. I have to put the beefsteak on my junk in the store? Yeah, and walk out with it. <sighs> so you have to shoplift? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you got to also write a personalized letter with the exact amount of the beefsteak and yeah, send it I'm later. never going to be allowed back at Lunardi's. You, they, the idea here is not to get caught. Again, Jordorowski would now if you were in France when he was doing this in Paris, he would be in a coffee shop. You would uh, show up and he'd be at a table with some tarot cards and he would do a reading and he would psychoanalyze you and then be like, here's what you got to do. Wait, is this in around tarot? He does tarot as a like form to to learn the person. He I said, don't I don't no, like tarot. Here's the thing. He's he doesn't say uh tarot cards are like actually magic. He says they're a good way to get people to lower their uh defenses and let let him in. So while you're talking, he'll be like, Oh, your dad raped you. <laughs> when yeah. she comes up in that book, he'll be like, Oh, you're molested by your dad. Sick. So you don't even understand your problem. Then he'll give you a psychomagic ritual. Okay. Yeah. Don't worry. There's more to come in here. Again, I have finished this book. I legit like I it's a bit on here. I legitimately like it. And I'm actually crafting my own psychomagic ritual to help me not eat so fucking much. <laughs> I think it might help if Oksana didn't serve me dinner in a trough, but, <laughs> you know, baby steps here. So, I don't know. Tune in next week as we try and uh, develop Clark into a non-little man and defeat the mama dragon. Psychomagic. <laughs> Hell yeah. Wait, now. I got another segment. Oh, no, I don't. Okay. Instead, I'm plugging something. Now, uh, earlier plug. I did. I asked you what we should do tomorrow, and I think I already have an idea. We we have recommendations of movies to watch from uh, fans. Again, if you ever think we should be talking about something or watching something, fucking email us. It's at overlookhour at gmail.com. Shoot us whatever, even your thoughts. If you hate the show, let us know. Now, one of the movies I think we should watch tomorrow, which I know, Clark, you're going to fight me on, but we have to watch it. It's Bad Ben 10, Eulogy. You know I love him. I do too. I know you're a little worried about this. One. I just think that the the direction that we're going in Bad Ben Ten is not the strongest that Nigel can do. Can you elaborate a little on that? I this seems to be a little bit more fan flatulation. Okay, he does do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, hey, if you want to be in the movie, hit me up. I, I felt a little bit of that from the trailer. Well, I mean, is that bad? It's like pandemic. <laughs> Pandering demic? Yeah. It, oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, we have to watch it, though. It, look, seven and nine, these are two of the greatest films in the history of cinema. I, I agree. 
So all right. that's what I'm saying. Now, one of the things that uh, you need in order to enjoy a Bad Band 10 eulogy is you need to subscribe to Bad Band TV. Now, long, if, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know we talked about it. He had thrown it out there. I believe he even reached out to us and was like, hey, I'm doing Bad Band TV. We're going to show MMA <laughs> and all the trailers to my movies. And we're like, oh, it sounds fantastic. <laughs> now, if you go on Roku, which is where this, you can find this shit, or if you go to BadBandTV.com, again, he's got all of his movie trailers listed, and he's got a little review show. Did you check out the review show? I haven't. Have you? I did, and I got a lot of clips from it. Oh, So here's mama. the thing. He does a review show with the, uh, who does she play? Bitch Witch. The Witch Bitch. Yeah. Um, wait, you know, I'll let Nigel, Nigel intro it. Anyway. Uh, he refers to her as the evil Miss Holly, his roommate. Yeah. Now, I'm, I, now I cut this up again a little. I cut it down for time. But I'm going to play the intro music for him, and then I'm going to let Nigel kind of cue it up. I'm very excited. So uh, here we go. Oh, God. Welcome to episode two of What's Streaming Out There in the Streaming World. I am Nigel Jojo Bach, and she is... Holly Biggins Barnes. <laughs> Biggins Barnes with a hyphen. And this is Archer. And back there is the ass of Sable. So <laughs> so that's the tone you can expect. He's yes. doing a, he's a little podcasty. Again, Archer and the Sable. The ass of Sable. Are his dogs. Now, just to paint the mental picture, I think he's in the room that he got dragged in in the first uh, Bad Man. Mm -hmm. But he's put up curtains around it and he's turned it into almost a Kramer-esque talk show. The Merv Griffin show. Yeah, and it looks uh, low budge, which is perfect, because the only thing you're here for is, you know, Nigel. Is Jack Hanna going to be the guest? Oh, God, there's no guest so far. Only the dogs who, um, you can tell the show's a little edited. He he even puts in his own commercial, which is kind of hilarious. I love it. Um, but yeah, anyway, we've uh, he's got a couple of films. I can't remember if he intros them, but he does a Bloomhouse double feature. With the first one being uh, the film Sweetheart that I don't think any of us watched, right? It's on Netflix right now. No? I think I've seen it. You did? I believe so. Yeah, it came out like four or five years ago. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Nigel, he's kind of all over the place with his reviews. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and continue it. All right, Miss Biggins Barnes, let's get your opinion first of Sweetheart. Um, if I'm being honest, it wasn't my favorite. I thought the acting by the lead was very good. Um, acting by the other actors, not so much, but I liked that it was, you know, solitary kind of reminded me of old by M night Shyamalan. Thank what you, did you, thank you, Miss Biggins Barnes. What did you think of it? I wanted to kill myself while watching this film. <laughs> <laughs> no, th their, their reviews are much lengthier. I just wanted to give you a palette, like a taste of what they, they're kind of like cadence and how they bounce back and forth because the next film they get into is the one and only dash cam. What is Sweetheart? Sweetheart is a, uh, I don't know, Oksana, can you pull that up? I think it's like an island horror film. Uh, it's a Bloomhouse movie. It's a, like oh. four people are trapped on an island. Island I boys? I think there's a, it's the island boys are trapped on an island. It's Jen, who's washed up on an island completely alone. It looks a little bit like um, okay. Castaway. They talk a lot about how many people are in that movie, which I guess might be a spoiler. Again, this completely went off. My radar. Apparently, Randy, did you talk about it on the show? I don't think so. I don't remember liking it a lot either. Although I do uh, also 
think the main actress was very good. She was in a movie called Dope. Tight. And uh, Hearts Beat Louder. Yeah. She's good. Did you want to kill yourself while watching that? <laughs> no, but it was it was fine. All right. Well, Nigel, he's an interesting one. Um, if you remember last time we had him on, we were going to show Bad Ben 7 at Uff. Now, I think it was off mic, or we weren't recording, but I had offered. I'm like, dude, we, we could try and scrape together some money and maybe fly you out. Honestly, we had no budget, so it, it couldn't have happened. But he was like, no, I'm not getting on a fucking plane. Yeah. He was like, I'm not fucking with the pandemic. No, I'm not trapped on there. So when I heard that he was going to cover dash cam, I'm like, oh, this has to be a, I don't know. You know, sweetheart, he wanted to kill himself. What do you think dash cam is going to make him do? Here we go. We got any predictions now? I don't know. I know. It is a little weird. You never know with Nigel. So uh, let's jump back in. I'm going to turn it over to my co-host. Mrs. Barnes hyphen Biggins and get her opinion of what she thought of Dash Game. I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was probably the best horror movie I've seen possibly this year. I really liked it. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. However, I will say before anything else, it does have probably the most repulsive lead character that I've come across in a long time. Oh, I don't know. And a, I know. And, uh, uh, now, it didn't work for audio, but when she said it was her favorite horror movie of the year, Nigel shot her daggers. And I was like, oh, no, Nigel. Nigel, now, I think you're a smart dude. Clearly, he's got to get it, right? All right, well, let's find out. And now over to me, Nigel Jojo Bach. A couple things about this film. If this lead actor is a nice person in real life, then she deserves an Oscar for the irritating Hmm. character she portrayed in this film. Would you agree? Absolutely. And that seems to be a lot of people's problem with the movie. Okay. It is your heart will race throughout this entire film. It's well done. Lots of scary stuff. Lots of great special effects. If you get motion sickness, take a Dramamine. (laughs) I do have one issue, though, and this is an area I don't normally go into, and it's one of political correctness. Now, it's not the fact that she's representing um, a certain party. What I have a problem with is the comments that are running up the side. You actually can't watch them and watch the film. But if you go back and you watch the comments, I got to personally tell you, some of the comments that were being mentioned, you know, in, in my films, I have a toilet mouth, let's face it. And this was accurate for the type of broadcast it was, that there were some nasty comments and all. But what I took issue with was some that addressed people with uh, mental disabilities. Uh, The terms they used are just not appropriate today, and they weren't necessary to push the story forward. So if not for that, I enjoyed every other aspect of this film, except the credits were bizarre. <laughs> Weird. I I'm not sure what he's talking about. I don't either. Well, I, I know when I watched it, I loved that chat, and I knew it was it was because it felt unfiltered, and it felt like a real internet chat to me. Get the guitar riff right. The oh, what guitar riff? The Cobra one? Oh my god! You gotta warn me about this in the pre-show because I don't know. Okay. Right. So now we know that Nigel's a cuck. <laughs> <laughs> now you, worth got, it. you got the whole riff for that one that's too much 
I I know. That's why we. That's why I got to take over the board. I don't know what that would be like. Uh, the best show you've ever heard. I think there'd be a lot of this. <laughs> if I. Dude, that intro, you'll, you're going to love it. There's animation over it, oh and boy. it's so like old school late night hack. Uh, yeah, I, I love Nigel. I'm so glad that those two, basically, they're the only people I've ever heard articulate. Hey, if, you know, unless she's a terrible person, she did some great acting there. And I believe they, they referred to another movie where somebody got thrown off the set like day one. And they're like, if she could do all this and still be have a job at the end of the day, then she's incredible. So, Annie, uh, Nigel's got your back. Just don't say retard. And, you know, if, yeah. was that it? I'm sure. The R word got him? I guess. You, th- you think our boy's a little on the spectrum? Is he showing up on the uh, radar? No, Nigel's a SJW, clearly. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He made a movie about the damn Jersey Devil. That's racist. <laughs> Because jerseys, um, Jerseyan. What do you refer to them? Jerseyites, scum. <laughs> R.I.P. Marbles. We're thinking about you. Um, again, if you want to watch that whole show, he's done, he's got two episodes, and they're both available on Bad Band TV. Or if you have a Roku and want to download Bad Band TV, the channel, you can watch both of those on there. Um, I'm good. <laughs> Randy, you're a dick, dude. Nigel would love you too. That's the sad part. I don't. I mean, I think we've interacted on the show, and I would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love you, Nigel. Well, you don't talk about po boys enough, and I love Randy too. All right, Randizzy. Yes, sir. How's uh? What what are you week two, week three at the new house? Three, I believe. What's- yeah. How's everything going? You uh, you sleeping all right? You getting used to the new digs? Any ghosts to uh, comment on? Uh, no, still no specters to report. Um, okay. Yeah, everything's been going good. It's a lot quieter here, which is nice. Uh, my old apartment was facing train tracks, and uh, <laughs> yeah, now it's uh, I don't have to like ride the volume while I'm recording to like put it down when the trains go by. So that's nice. Um, yeah, okay. things are good. Also, how's your new neighborhood? Uh, I did a quick Google search, and uh, Decatur comes up as one of the best suburbs of Atlanta. So, you're, are you enjoying? Are you enjoying your new home? I am. <laughs> it's a. Uh, there's not as many like you. There is a lot of places to walk, but it's not as like uh, I don't know. It's very the streets aren't very like grid like or anything. So I've just kind of been walking in the morning and like getting lost and fighting my way back. Um, but oh, a lot cool. of tree coverage, which is nice um, for these hot days. We have had a lot of thunderstorms and like heavy rain in the last week. It was supposed to be storming now, but apparently uh, that disappeared and now it's sunny and like 93 degrees out. So, oh boy. But yeah, it's been good. I'm digging it. All right. I'm only like five, 10 minutes from where I used to live. So I'm still pretty close to, uh, and a bunch of cool bars and venues and things to go. It's not, I, I feel like I'm in the suburbs, but not like too far. Okay. Well, I mean, do you still frequent your old haunts? I mean, you became a bar fly at one place, didn't you? Yeah, I actually went there last night. Oh. Randy's I went to back to the uh, old apartment to check my mail, and uh, it was 96% uh, just junk. 
and uh, one piece of mail that actually I needed. And then I uh, just decided to, yeah, just hang out in the old uh, stomping grounds. Did you bring a book? I did. I read for about an hour and 10 minutes at the bar. What'd you read? Uh, it's called Death in Her Hands. <laughs> What's that about? A bad hand job. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what it's about, actually. It's like 300 pages long about a hand job. <laughs> the uh, hand I don't know job. if you've read um, My Year of Rest and Relaxation. It's that same uh, author. She's very good. All right, that's cool. I want to talk about hand jobs. The hand job, that's the, that's the side salad of sexual acts. You know what Side I mean? Side salads can be good. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, it's like, okay, Brain this teaser. is a thing. But uh, let's, let's get some uh, potato skins going. Let's get some <laughs> a little bit more substance. I feel like you would be into it. Hand jobs? Yeah. If, 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 it's a, if it's just a hand job, I'm like, eh. It's very, like, uh, high school. Like, yeah. It feels very, like, throwback. Classic. Yeah, the oldies. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think I enjoy giving the fingering pleasure more than receiving. <laughs> God, that you know, South Park had an episode on it where Randy got very into the Cookie Network, and he was annoying everybody. And uh, the <laughs> moral of the episode was like, you don't like Sharon. You don't have to sleep with him. Just give him a handy, and then he'll go to bed. Yeah. So he dumped the whole thing. He gave up the Iron Chef persona. There you go. <laughs> Side salad. So it sounds like a good book, Randy. Can't wait to check it out. Great book. She has a new one out that I'm trying to finish this old one from her that I've had for, I don't know, over a year that I never finished. So I restarted this one and I'm uh, like 60% in, which is pretty good. I just started it this week. Good. But, um, how, are, how, uh, how, how are you on uh, The Art of the Deal by Donald Trump? You gotten through that one yet? Yeah, like three or four times now. <laughs> Good damn. That's how he got the house, dude. Yeah, man. All right, Randy. But, um, yeah, besides uh, being a barfly, as Clark would call it, I also went to uh, the theater, which I mentioned on here almost every show now, it seems. The Plaza Theater in Atlanta, which um, has been killing it with their programming. They have, they're showing Sorcerer soon, actually this oh, Thursday. Hi which I've still not seen. It's playing at like 9 p.m., so we'll see if I make it or not. Nope. I'll let you know right now. You are not going. But uh, yesterday, they were showing the 4K restoration of David Lynch's Lost Highway, which I just mentioned before we had David on the show uh, 20 minutes ago, something like that. And uh, it's great. I think I've only ever seen it once on a computer screen, or I think I had an old, like, shitty DVD that was, like, an import, and it wasn't, like, great quality. <laughs> and, um, you know... For as much as I like David Lynch, now that I've seen this and Inland Empire in a theater, I, I much more appreciate those movies. Yeah. Because you kind of need to be like, A, having really great quality, like a 4K, even if he's like, you know, messing with digital video and it looks kind of funny. Just having the good restoration, good sound, being in a theater, not being distracted or potentially sleepy at home. <laughs> um, it's great. Uh, really good soundtrack. Bill Pullman. Uh, is great. Uh, I forget how many like oh, people. Oh, Pullman, hand job. <laughs> <laughs> I forget how many people are in this cast. Uh, my boy Henry Rollins shows up. Yep. Um, oh, God. Richard Pryor's in it. What? Wait, what are we talking about? Patricia Arquette? Come on. Patricia Arquette. Yeah, so good. Oh, dude, this movie fucking rules. And don't forget to mention the Rammstein soundtrack. Yeah. 
<laughs> a lot of great songs. Robert Blake. Definitely like of the era of, that it was made, but um, yeah, the songs are still still Dude, killer. Randy, help me out here. Why does why does Lost Highway get like kind of the hack treatment of the David Lynch? Because it's not good. You don't like it? No. You're tripping. I, I saw it the good. one time and it was meh. Where did you see it? On a 19-inch Zenith tube TV. There you go, yeah. I, yeah. I saw it at the Alamo. And it nice. was, you know, um, again, the, the former uh, program director over there, Mike Keegan, it, this rate's very low for him, too. And it, it just wasn't my favorite. I, I 100% would do a revisit. How do you not like Bill Pullman in this movie? I barely remember Bill Pullman in this movie. I think, I think it gets He's a lot He's actually barely in it. Yeah, that is true. But, there but is, yeah, he's good when he is in it. I, I, you know, I think the problem a lot of people have with it is the, the story. It seems to kind of cut corners to be weird, but I don't know. It's fucking good. Well, do you know why? Because I was telling, I was talking to Randy about this before the show when uh, you were taking your 30 minute pee break. Um, <laughs> I think when, when I saw this, I had gotten into the Lynch zone. Okay. And I was just watching everything David Lynch. Uh, you know, the previous, the aforementioned Fuckland. Uh huh. Uh, you know, all of his weird short films, which I own on DVD. Yeah. Um, you know, The Grandmother, mm-hmm. The Alphabet, the one about being sick. <laughs> um, and, you know, Wild at Heart and yeah. Racerhead. And then I threw in Lost Highway. And I think that, you know, you kick off with Eraserhead. Then I think I went Wild at Heart and then Lost Highway. And it just didn't yeah, hit I get that, that level. I think Lost Highway is a good, um, like, I don't know, starter drug for people. Because Wild drug, at Heart, just, it's just unique. The, the manic chaos of that just speaks to me. You know, you got Bobby Peru talking about his dick, <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, I mean. Listen to how deep that sounds. Yeah, that. Bobby you, Peru. He's blending shit together in that movie that just would not work on paper. But he makes it so great. I don't know. Lost time. I stand by it, Randy. How are you? How, how'd the 4K look? Uh, looked really good. I don't remember what he shot it on, but there are like some scenes that look kind of like a little, I don't know, like intentionally like kind of uh, like blurry or weird. Um, now, you know how Criterion, whenever they do like the 2K or the 4K transfer, yeah. and then they have like director approved. Yeah. Could you imagine being the guy that had to do that with David Lynch? That seems like it would not be fun. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, fuck, Lost Highway. <laughs> yeah, I'm also assuming that there's probably a Criterion like box set of Lynch stuff coming out because uh, the Janus Films logo was in front of this and in front of Inland Empire. And usually uh, Janus means it's coming out on Criterion. So. Yeah. I'm uh, assuming that yeah. hopefully that's coming down the road. Yeah. I'd buy it. Would you, do you Same. like Lost Highway over Mulholland Drive? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. You know, I, I, I love the style of Lost Highway, which I think I would have hated before, but yeah, I don't I also honestly I'm not a huge fan of Maholland Drive. Why I got too mainstream? I don't know. There is kind of like that nerd revival going on with that film. Yeah. The that the dumpster dude though dumpster is like also scary. One yeah. of the best moments in cinema history. <laughs> dude, that freaked me out. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. Right. So good. So right, yeah, it's up? playing a bunch of places across the U.S., so if you got a chance, go see Lost Highway in theaters, baby. 
And then uh, after that, I went to uh, my other favorite place that I mention uh, on here every show, pretty much, Videodrome. And I rented a film called Compartment Number 6, which is a, I think it's like a Finnish and uh, Russian film. Um, It's like a foreign uh, indie movie that I had been seeing trailers for uh, for a little while. I think it played at Cannes this past year. Uh, And it looked good, kind of just like a road movie. Um, so essentially the movie, um, is about this character, Laura, who leaves her girlfriend in kind of this place that she's crashing. Like she, apparently she lives there, but she kind of feels like she might be a little bit of an outsider there, but, um, she's living with, uh, her girlfriend apparently. And she goes on this train trip that her girlfriend was supposed to go to or go on with. And uh, her girlfriend's like, yeah, sorry. I like, I, I couldn't do it anymore. I have stuff to do so uh she goes on this trip by herself and she meets um this russian dude um whose name i do not know how to pronounce Um, a lot of names i don't know how to pronounce so sorry for the director who uh i also don't know how to pronounce your name and i would rather not butcher it but uh yeah she essentially her bunk her compartment is two people it was supposed to be her and her girlfriend but now she's stuck with this uh i don't know like a 35 maybe 40 year old russian dude shaved head he has like this like scar like going down the like front of his head and he's just drinking and like smoking cigarettes and uh you could tell she feels a little bit uncomfortable and he kind of uh says some stuff to her that he's essentially like why are you on this trip alone like what are you doing and he says are you selling your cunt (laughs) to her and so that really uh you know is very off-putting for her so she kind of leaves the train and she goes to the dining car speaking of uh david lynch and dining cars And uh, she just doesn't want to go back because she's like, this trip like sucks. Like it was supposed to be this cool thing with my girlfriend. And now I'm stuck here with this random Russian dude who's uh, kind of kind of sketchy sounding. But um, yeah, as the trip goes by, they um, end up sort of reluctantly like, you know, you're you're stuck there. They're both on there for a couple of days and they end up, you know, talking and uh, end up having a little bit of a, a relationship. And um, yeah, it's interesting where it goes. I really like the characters uh, quite a bit. And um, yeah, it's shot on 35. It's got really beautiful cinematography. You really get a feel for like how close the quarters are in this train. I will say it doesn't make uh, Russian train travel look very, uh, <laughs> very nice at all. Like they're in one of the nicer like trains or like compartments and they like walk through like other parts in the train and there's just like people stacked essentially. And like, yeah, it looks, it looks not great, but I've always wanted to take a train trip. They're like dining car, dining car, dining yeah. car, dining. Oh, observation. <laughs> she sits down, falls asleep. Russian guy rapes her. I, I, Randy, get spoiled this whole movie. It's good. It's like, a, you know, it's definitely one of the, uh, the movies where it's not about the destination. It's about the journey, you know, but um, <laughs> characters are good. Uh, I had a really good time with it. Um, yeah, it's like, uh, I think it's on VOD for like $5 right now, but um, mm-hmm. I rented the Blu-ray from Videodrome and. Uh, yeah, if you're into just like European kind of like road movies, um, definitely check it out. That is not what I thought Bullet Train was about at all. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to see that. Also, four dining cars, three observation cars. Also, yeah, because Randy, you and I get it. Russell, why do you not want to see Bullet Train? Uh, because I'm comfortable with my masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. You love a scantily clad man. I do. Both can be true. Oxon, how do you feel about Bullet Train? 
I mean, I'm not dying to see it. Oh, d- bullshit. She's the action fan. I Come on. You don't want to see that movie? No, not especially. I don't why? know what's going on with her. She doesn't want to see the new Predator movie either. Wait, what? That's I, your cue no, I'm Q-zone. definitely going to see it. I'm just like kind of skeptical about it. Also, guys, I had no idea there's a new Predator movie. Oh, yeah. It's Me coming neither. straight to Hulu. <laughs> okay. It's going to be good. Which is one of, my, right. <laughs> one of my qualms, I guess. That's fair. I so enjoyed the last Predator movie. Bullet Train is two and a half hours long. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, All right. Up. Oh my god! What the <laughs> fuck? You didn't even watch Top Gun. And no, I still haven't seen Top Gun. <laughs> you know, I prefer Bottom. <laughs> bottom Gun. <laughs> Hell yeah! All right, Randy. Anything else? Yeah. Last thing that uh, I believe we all saw. So I'll oh. cue it up. I didn't get to catch this at the Plaza because it only played for a week, and the last uh, showtime was Thursday at two p.m. So I rented it on VOD instead. Uh, it's the new Peter Strickland film called Flux Gourmet. Uh, if you know Peter Strickland, I'm pretty sure we've talked about all of his movies on the show. Um, and I just bought the Blu-ray of In Fabric because I really want to see it again. And I don't remember it uh, a whole lot, but his movies are great. Um, this one essentially takes place. Uh, so it's told in like three chapters. It's told by this guy who is essentially kind of like a documentarian for this culinary organization. Um, so it essentially takes place in this like weird art world where there are these sort of, uh, collectives of culinary performance artists where they also make music out of these sounds from, uh, just various cooking things. Like you're frying an egg and you have a microphone up to it (laughs) and it's like hooked up to like an oscillator and like a flanger and you're just like making weird noise and stuff and a lot of very good. A lot of flanger talk in this movie. It's a whole plot point. Um, but yeah, uh, Asa Butterfield from Hugo is in it, uh, as well as um, someone who has been in all of his movies, uh, Fatma Mohammed. She is the kind of like leader of the band um, in the movie or the whatever, the performance <laughs> art group, whatever you want to call it. What a piece um, of work that broad is. Yeah. Um, really dug their performances, especially the first one where she's just like covered in blood. Uh, they're a vegetarian group apparently, apparently too. And, um, yeah, I just really enjoyed the world that this movie created and the fact that there are apparently other groups like this in the world, um, of the movie was just, I don't know, very interesting to me. Like I just kind of wanted to see like more of this type of thing. Uh, but yeah, it's essentially sort of told in three chapters by um, this dude who has a gastrointestinal uh, disorder. And he's kind of talking about how he is, you know, a documentarian and his job is to like get close to the artist and kind of like, you know, observe and kind of like work himself in uh, to the art, but like not get too close. But he also can't get too close because he uh, he farts because he has gastrointestinal issues and he... <laughs> waits for them to go to sleep every night so he can just sit in the bathroom and um, yeah, take care, take care of his issues. So I will say there is only actually one fart in the entire movie. It's not like, there's not a ton of fart humor. It's like, it's hinted at. Um, but I don't know. I thought it was really interesting how uh, sort of like the conversation that he's having with like kind of um, observing art as opposed to like creating art and like being an artist and stuff. I don't know. I thought that's really interesting. Art. 
aren't creating farts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll cue it up to you guys. I've said a lot, I feel like, already. Randy, I think you, you nailed it perfectly when you said that, you know, it's, it's the world that we're occupying. Because that's yeah. 100% what this movie is. It has created its own world. It's created its own universe. And I think that once you get settled into that, then you're able to just enjoy the ride. And the, the fart stuff, now, you know, you know me. I love a fart. I love talking about farts. And I love, you know, because it's the prerequisite to shit. And I think that I have never heard someone so eloquently describe their gastrointestinal struggles. And it was beautiful. It was poetry. Was very like melancholic too, like the voiceovers. It was great. That guy was awesome. He was perfectly cast to be this schlubby guy who's having stomach problems. Um, and then it, it turns out that he had celiac disease yeah. um, and, you know, forcing the the world, what I'm going to call the world's worst doctor uh, <laughs> in, who looked like a pervy Dick Van Dyke, that guy. Yeah. Um, I just I really, really enjoyed this. Uh, and Same. it's Brandy, you did say that it's Peter Strickland's most accessible film. And I haven't seen all I haven't seen in Fabric. Um, I think, is that the only one I'm missing? I've seen Barbarian Sound Studio, mm-hmm. uh, The Duke of Burgundy, and this. What else am I missing? I think he has an was, early one called yeah. Caitlin Varga, which is very different. It's not very uh, genre at all. Um, I saw it on movie a while ago. So it's very different. And this one is quite different. It's not super like 60s, 70s Euro horror like influenced, which I feel right. like a lot of his other stuff is. Yeah. Which might be like, I love all of his movies that I've seen, but I feel a little bit removed watching his other ones. And like, I feel like they just have less of a plot than this did. But, you know, I'm not as much of a uh, Euro horror guy. So maybe that's why I enjoyed this one more than some of the others. Well, you, you really liked uh, Barbarian Sound Studio because I didn't really care for that one. But I think I was not, I didn't know what I was getting into and I expected one thing and got another thing. Um, yeah. So I 100% am, am open to rewatching Barbarian Sound Studio because I, I very much enjoy Toby Jones and, you know, what he brings to the table. You know, I pers- and now I, I am more in tune with what Peter Strickling is giving us. Uh, but, yeah. you know, I think Russell and I have, have different points of view on this. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, you know, it was fun, silly, um, and you know, strangely beautiful in its own way. And I was uh, very attracted to the six foot three uh, Icelandic woman. <laughs> oh, the lady that like runs the organization or whatever. That's right, she could boss me around anytime she wanted to. Yeah, she's weird looking, but also kind of attractive. I know. <laughs> I'd climb that like a kookaburra on the old gum tree. You feel me? Oh my god! Yeah, you know, I've never seen Barbarian Sound Studio. And I remember when that came out, everybody talking about it, which is why I went with Randy to go watch the Duke of Burgundy, which honestly, I think out of uh, are you call it uh, the the Dukes, of the Burgundy? Dukes of Burgundy. Okay, yeah. Uh, thank you. That was one time on the show. And I, it's, so many times it's it was a, so many you times. Know, it's like a scab that you keep peeling it off. I just can't. Heal. No, I just love you it. Just keep it's like the Dukes shoving, of Hazard. You're shoving your goddamn fingers into my wound every time you do this. I just want you to know that. Checks and balances. PTSD is another thing I experienced while watching this movie as uh, a group of people are trapped in a room and there's a theme of farting. And again, if you're a huge (laughs) fan of this and you love the lighthouse, then uh, go to hell. You don't know what cinema is. No, you know, it's funny. Randy talking right now. uh, 
you know, I think I like this movie more. I really? and I think you're both right. The elegant um, recounting of a flatulent problem is one of the things I complain about with film, where you can be a fucking prolific writer and really just be spewing out poetry every time you talk about a movie. And it can be completely wrong. The movie can be garbage. And I think this film is about art and uh, it being documented where you can kind of put it on a pedestal, even though, you know, they're faking dookie and they're recording uh, eggs being fried. And it's like, what are we really doing here? And it's kind of they're all jerking each other off. Yeah. There's some highbrow shit that means nothing. Honestly, the real art that's like the real journey that people should be paying attention to is the struggle of the documentarian who's who's so he's so entangled in like social politeness that he stays up every night so he can go fart in the bathroom. But he doesn't like the door is very thin. And, you know, I I feel it. I felt this dude so bad because I don't even like I don't even like urinating in the water. Because I don't like painting that picture for anybody who can hear it through the door, so I always try to hit the side of the toilet bowl. No, I need this. Sure. I need, they need them to know what I'm doing. I know there. you do. It's a <laughs> you know you got a little bit of ego problem there. Well, Me, I just want to be seen, not heard. So I would I try to mask my urination. So when he's in there trying to time flushing the toilet with farting, I was like, dude, I feel for you, man. Yeah. And, you know, he's sharing a room with these three musicians who people give a shit about. And he's just kind of an afterthought. Yet the highlight of that film is his VOs where he's, you know, recounting the things that happened in this in this fucking art institute where they're being attacked by malicious artists who were the not- mangrove snacks, dude. Dude, I, you know, I wasn't juiced on this film mostly because I felt the complete opposite of you, Randy, where I'm like, it opened up and I thought we were going to deal with a coven of witches who are cooking. And I'm like, Oh, interesting. And then there's really not a lot of horror going on here. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. And, um, I mean, I, I love the Duke of Burgundy too, but that that's another film that doesn't have a ton of horror going on. Yeah. Very similar, those two. Uh, In Fabric, I think I still like the most, probably, that he's made, but I haven't seen Barbarian Sound Studio. And have either of you watched The Field Guide to Evil? Because he did a short in that, too. I don't think so, no. Yeah, anthology horror. I only watched uh, Katrine's. Oh, okay. Oh, weird. How did you do that? Is it just available? I think you showed it to me. Oh, okay. I probably did. Maybe we should go back and revisit that. Because, again, even though I wasn't like deeply excited about this film and i did have a lot i did really enjoy kind of like how audiences in ingest art and you know it made me think a lot of crimes of the future because you have like these artist tableaus going on and people kind of expounding all of this meaning onto it but at the end of the day in crimes of the future he's just like i just don't want to die so i'm doing an operation and in this movie it's a little different because uh the lead of the band, she does want to be famous. And, and they have uh, orgies with the audience after every performance. Dude, right? How beautifully shot were those orgies, by the way? They're cool, yeah. It's not like, I kept looking for like a nipple or something. Yeah, I'm like, yeah it's not most- like sexual. Like, it's not filmed sexually really at all. No, not titillating at all. Well, because orgies aren't sexual. Well, no, because <laughs> we were learning about the orgies. They're just gross. Through the documentarian, who was grossed out by them. Yeah, that's why he was shitting all the time. <laughs> the orgies were giving him. Yeah. He had picked up some airborne well, there's, venereal there's, disease. There's gluten in orgies. 
<laughs> you know, schmegma. Yeah, there's gluten in schmegma, dude. You know what? I did enjoy this film. I just can't imagine rewatching it. It's a long one, right? Aren't we doing almost two hours yeah, here? We're, we're knocking on two. We're doing two hours here, and there's not a lot. Again, it's like Randy's last film, where it's the journey, not the the climax. Or I don't know. What did you say? Oh, oh we got that the destination. Tall, the destination. We got that tall blonde broad. Yeah, there, there's some drama in there, but I just can't imagine rewatching this. And again, I disagree with Clark. I love that doctor. Pervy Dick Van Dyke. Tur- Pervy Dick Van Dyke. No, he's favorite. good. He's my favorite fucking character in the he's movie. He's wild. He, um, I just wanted him to talk every time. Like, whenever they would have those dinner scenes, I just wanted him to go at it. He had a face. Yeah. Fuck yeah, that dude's great. They had the nice chops. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's time for Clark's secret movie segment. Oh, shit. Wait, hold on. I, I have a stinger for this. <laughs> also, Randy blacked out his camera. I, Randy doesn't know what I'm bringing to the table. He just has no respect. He blacks out the camera, much like in uh, uh, what the fuck is the movie Flux Gourmet? Because he's going to uh, tinkle. That's right. Well, I had to go tinkle during his segment, so it's, <laughs> it's quid pro quo. Tinkle revenge. I dude. understand. All right. Um. So, guys, as, as you know, um. You know, to my friends here in this room, my friend who is currently taking a bathroom break, and my friends and foes listening all over the world. <laughs> because I do I do assume that my enemies do listen to me. And, of course, they are all male. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because you have to keep your enemies close. Now, I am, um, you know, I, I think that I am more interesting than most people. Okay. <laughs> It's just a fact, and it's just how I operate on daily life, and and also I want to share that I think everyone involved in this show, we're more interesting than more normal people. Oh, I don't think that's up for debate. Can we all agree? Hello? Thank you so much. Sure. (laughs) We're we're, we're more interesting than most people, and we, we like interesting things, and we like fringy things. We like things that, that, you know, question the nature of... Reality. What is what is possible? What is popular? Why? What does that mean? Why are we here? What are we doing? And when we have things that question that, you know, that I think that's something that we all grasp to now. Um, and in my life, especially these last few years, I it's always a search. I enjoy the chase to these things. Russell, I know you feel that as well. Randy and you know Oksana. We all get that. We get that that little, you know, that little seed of of chase, and and but sometimes we we get in our own little worlds, and and certain things kind of fall outside of that scope. Um, even though they should be in that scope, they just kind of fall away to the side, and then you realize that yes, this could be a very interesting thing, and this could be something I'm interested to, but. For whatever reason, I feel like this is not for me. I feel like that I'm past the point of of going into this. That this this particular thing had a moment in time. I completely missed it. And I'm never going to go back to it. Well, what I'm going to bring to the table today is one of those things. And for whatever reason, I decided to go into it. Something that I felt like did not belong to me. Something that I felt like I was outside of. 
uh, something that people very much enjoy, something that people still talk about to this day. Is this a filibuster? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's all appropriate. Ba- uh, based upon the source material that I'm going to talk about. Russell, you have no idea what I'm about to bring. No, and I'm to. very worried for the record. Well, I saw a movie. I'm talking about the movie. It was a movie. I saw a movie. <laughs> You're looking in the closet? Thank you very much. Oh, okay. Did you watch all of it? I watched all. I watched parts one through twenty-two. Okay, there's more. I know. Okay. I gotta watch twenty-two through forty-four. Oh, whatever. okay. Now I know why too. Why? Because you're listening to uh, Save Our Parts. Yes. Yeah, dude. You know we fucked up because if you would have been on this earlier, the Castro used to show it. Really? They used to, they used to show it to the fucking Castro. I know. That's I just wild. I I missed it, and I I don't know. And I'm sad now that I, I missed it, and I called back on, and now it's gone. No, okay. Let me let me reframe something for you. Um, it gets very uh, how the fuck do I put it? It gets very black Twitter, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Where black Twitter, there's no limits. <laughs> you can do anything, right? And R. Kelly, when this came out, was not the uh the felon he is now. So I almost think you watching it now, but he kind of was. He kind of was. But here's the thing: now that culture has shifted around him. I think it's okay for you to be really into it. So you're almost at the right spot. Because he's he's paying for his Yeah, well, now, transgressions. You, now you can watch it and be like, he's not a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's different than before. Well, I mean, look, we're always dealing with that and, you know, separating the art from the artist, um, which I try to do. It's a hard thing oh, to I do. do. No problems for me. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There, there are certain pockets of it to where, you know... Um, like just naturally, I don't listen to Bill Cosby as much as I used to, but I still, you know, I still hold himself as one of the greatest hours in uh, comedy. History. Again, I think it's because you were so close to him before. That may have been it. You feel a little personally burnt. Well, yeah, because he was. I am America, and he was my dad. Well, like my mom felt personally <laughs> burnt by Michael Jackson and went on a fucking yeah. Yeah, she likes forbid his music. In but the house. Randy has gotten stronger with his love for Woody Allen, dude. Tattooed on his knuckles, Woody Allen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you see his interview with Alec Baldwin on Instagram? Oh, shit. What? <laughs> yeah. Alec Baldwin and him did a, uh, I don't know, a little interview on Instagram. God, throughout- those are two guys with really good press. <laughs> yeah. I haven't watched it. Uh, I, I, don't, I probably won't watch it, but I, I think Woody is going to do like one more movie. And I think Alec Baldwin is in it. Oh, I, I just Googled it. Apparently, shots were fired. <laughs> Play the guitar. I did see Rifkin's <laughs> Festival though, his last one. Not great. <laughs> oh, you mean Rifkin's Festivals? That's what this show is, dude. <laughs> We're Rifkin all the time. Wait, okay, talk about your experience in the closet now. Well, here's the thing. I think I went weird with it. Um, <laughs> okay. Because I, I didn't understand. First of all, I think that I, I stayed away from it because I didn't know what it was. Do you now? <laughs> kind of. I have no idea. So, you know, it, I think the, the music album came first, right? And then the film, and then the sequel to the film. Because it's all done in parts, and I think there's 33 or 44 parts. There's like 40 of them, yeah. And the film version, which is an hour and 24 minutes, is 1 through 22. Now, I had to rent this on the uh, iTunes. 
when you rent it, it says that the runtime is three hours and 40 minutes. Okay. Now, I almost didn't rent it because I'm like, look, I, I, re- I do enjoy musicals. Three hours and 40 minutes. I was like, what am I going into here? Well, here's what happens. The movie is an hour and a half. It goes right into them replaying the movie in a private, like, corporate screening room with a single chair in front of a... Also, you're at an angle. (laughs) And R. Kelly gets in the chair, and then he turns his head and starts doing a commentary, and they replay Trapped in the Closet with him doing two hours of commentary over Trapped in the Closet. Is it him apologizing? (laughs) And then at the end, it plays a 30-minute of him doing it live in concert. <laughs> and that's three hours and 40 minutes Dude, if you rent it. how wild would that be to see that live? Dude. Now, I, okay, I had mentioned, again, thank you, producers, for looking up how many of there, there were uh, chapters. I believe there's 33. 33. Now, there's an article in The Independent that was written eight years ago that said R. Kelly has 40 more chapters planned for Trapped in the Cloth. <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh my so, God. so what happened is I started listening to it first. Uh huh. Like, this is great. You got to do the visuals. Yeah. And then I was going to, I went to YouTube to see if I could find anything. I couldn't. But what I did find was Weird Al Yankovic's uh, spoof, tra- oh. Trapped at the Drive Through. Oh, I've never heard it. It's great. Okay. I got to write that down. It's off his um, uh, Ride and Dirty album. Cool. It's wonderful. And also, his music video is very good. Also, 27 million views on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's all animated. It's great. It's 10 minutes long. It's so good. <laughs> I listened to it like three times. And then I rented it. What a journey. Yeah. It's, it's, it, this is genius, right? Oh, it's great. It's something special. Well, I feel it's genius like Tommy Wiseau is genius. Well, that's, but see, that's why, that's why I don't know. Because there is, there is a structure here. Yeah. And everything does tie back together. He's doing pretty good storytelling. I, uh, I think so. I feel like a lot of it is resting on shock value. Like when there's but a, I, I don't know. I, I it works. The pulp of it all just works perfectly because this is a ridiculous thing that, yeah, w- yeah. that is happening. And so when it keeps compounding and you get lost in how crazy <laughs> this story is, it's just like okay, of course this would happen. Yeah. And if you br- if you introduce a character named Bridget, there's probably going to be a midget. Yeah. Yeah. And then that reveal, come on, it's just, it's beautiful. You Randy, know, have you seen it? I've not seen it. I only uh, also heard it referenced on the Protect Our Parks Joe Rogan experience. Yeah, which is what Mark Norman, uh, Shane Gillis, one of my favorite comedians right now, and uh, Clark's all-time favorite comedian, Ari Shafir. That's right. <laughs> and uh, Put Kobe Bryant in his place. Uh, man, you know, Randy, don't watch it. If th- that's what we're going to do, if we go over Randy's house, we're going to watch it. And, I, you know, Clark, I think you're right. He's kind of taken the formula of what people call so bad it's good and like built a uh, skyscraper that just doesn't stop. It's always under construction. And it's like it's got the like tone of a midlife crisis going on. 
where you kind of you turn around, you're like, how did we get here? It's wild. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. You've never seen anything like it. And, you know, if he wasn't a talented uh, singer-songwriter, Incredibly talented. it wouldn't work. No. I don't think. No. Yeah, I, it's incredible. It's magical. And um, I had my journey with it around when it first came out. And I remember trying to show people a couple of times and the bill, it gets so crazy that you, you kind of bring that energy and it's kind of a slow build. So, you know, I think now we're better at uh, introing things and we could do it now. But back then I think I was too excited. It was kind of like you and Randy with carnival magic where you're, you're hovering over (laughs) a shoulder going, watch the monkey's going to drive. Okay. (laughs) It wasn't like that. Randy was terrified. Randy had a beer in his hand, and he was just like, is this what drinking's like? I'm about to quit again. Well, that so was six years ago, too. What was? When we did that. Oh, wow. Because we're, we're, we're knocking on our sixth anniversary of this show. Don't remind me. Well, just and, think and all the money we've gained we've zero <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Many enemies, though. Oh, yeah. Again, fuck. all of them male. Man, it's just, it's wonderful. I, I had a ball. It's incredible. That's it. That's the only thing you watch? That's not true. That's the only thing I want to talk about outside of uh, the big release, <laughs> which we queued up last week. As you know, Russell very graciously uh, walked tiptoed in his review of the black phone, tiptoed through the window. Uh, but I think since the end, we we paid it off. We did go see the black phone after saying, "Hey, I want to go," and we went. Mm-hmm. We saw the black phone. Randy, you also saw the black phone. I did see it, yes. Tiptoe through the tulips is what I meant. I said tiptoe through the window. Tiptoe <laughs> through the, the window. Right? It feels like that's the lyric. What? No, it was tiptoe through the tulips by the window. Oh, there okay. you go. You just you just jumped the shark there. I'm just I'm cutting it <laughs> for sure. time. The black phone. Directed by the guy who did Sinister. <laughs> I didn't look at Scott it up. Derrickson? Is that what it is? Derrickson? I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Scott Derrickson. Oh my god. <laughs> I I was excited for this because I love the Sinister franchise. Sinister 1 and Sinister 2, I don't think they get enough credit. These they were great movies. Sinister they, 2, no credit. Nobody liked it. No, I liked Sinister 2. Uh, you know what? I like it too. And I almost got in a fucking bidding war for a custom made Bagul doll. Oh. It went up over four fucking hundred dollars. It looks so good though. Bagul is terrifying. Bagul is cool. I like Bagul. He puts the cool in Bagul. He put the cool in Bagul. <laughs> Rand, you ever see Sinister? I haven't. No, I've been meaning to forever, but okay, I just happy never have. July 3rd, Randy. You're going to just Sinister it up today. SinisterCon. <laughs> all right and so the black phone the, uh this was one you know uh highly re- this is uh, this is one of the bigger horror films of the summer now yeah. when it came out i couldn't have been more like Ugh. the, the build-up was there the poster looks like fucking the purge i didn't i was not into it is this bloom house i don't think so i think it is yeah i think ethan hawk is uh close friends with jason bloom i've heard he's oh, owned by them bloom? that's unfortunate <laughs> Can we confirm that, please? I feel like this is some basic bitch shit. I heard that on another podcast that was reviewing the Black Phone, so I don't, oh. I don't know how accurate it is. I kept going back and forth. It is Bloomhouse and Universal. Right. I, I trust the podcast that Randy <laughs> listened to. <laughs> I thought this was very meh. I First of all, I took umbrage with the opening scene, 
with, that takes place at a little league field, and we're playing some baseball. And it's just, you know, baseballs don't move like that. <laughs> People don't throw like that. You don't hit like that. You don't stand like that. It just looked <laughs> stupid. You're saying it lacked in the verisimilitude department 100%. when dealing with uh, 100%. Little League Baseball. When you do sports, do it right. <laughs> that's all. That's what I care about. Unless unless you go, uh, our friends at, uh, was it Severn or Vinegar Syndrome that did Wildcats? Uh, Severn, I believe. Oh, Vinegar Syndrome, for sure. Unless you go yep. full Wildcats with it, and where it's like yeah. the director had never even heard of football before, yeah. <laughs> go that way with it. Um, you know, that's that's how you, you battle that problem. But yeah, that right there, I knew we were in a slippery slope. Um, I will say this. The acting from the kids were great. Uh, the brother and sister, they carried the movie for me. That sister... Look out. She's incredible. She's a talent. And I'm going to tell you right now, they, the most disturbing scene in this movie had nothing to do with Ethan Hawke. It had nothing to do with raping and killing boys. <laughs> raping? <laughs> All right, we got to get into that later. Impl- where are? Um, it was her getting beat by her dad. Yeah. That, that, was, that was brutal. Yeah. That was by far the most brutal scene in the film. Um, just because, and it was, I mean, that girl was crying, dude. (laughs) I was like, I, that, I felt that. Um, and honestly, uh, that was, uh, the most impactful scene in the movie and really, you know, really brought that relationship to the next level. It's like, you know, they needed each other and, you know, with the dad, cause he was going through his own demons and, and, you know, because the, the daughter of the family was sort of a clairvoyant of sorts and would have dreams that, uh, had real life implications in those dreams. And when her brother was abducted, uh, by Ethan Hawke's the grabber, who is a pedophile magician. Okay. Now I, I gotta stop you. I didn't think he was a pedophile. How was he not a pedophile? He was not diddling the little boys. He was diddling the... Bu- <laughs> Let me tell you something. Maybe going for a hand job. I think it's implied. Kid- Otherwise, why would it just be little boys? 100%. Everybody keeps saying that. Now, I think... Because it's part of the deal. No, I think we're dealing with trauma here. And I think we're doing a dual story kind of thing. If where- you kidnap children, <laughs> you are a pedophile. No, they're not hand in hand. It's pedophile. No, you pedophile. Can, you can kidnap, but still be uh, have a casual relationship. Nope. <laughs> you could be a well, what's the word I'm looking for here? Is that what Epstein did? <laughs> Epstein's <laughs> a different thing. No, what is the thing? You could have a uh, platonic a platonic relationship while kidnapping. No, you cannot. Yes, you can. No, you cannot. I think he just got sexual like gratification out of beating them. I don't think he actually... I, yes, I think. There is a sexual component. But I don't think he actually touched them or whatever. Now... It, it does. There's a sexual component. Okay, he's a virtuous <laughs> pedophile. No, no! There is not enough evidence to convict him in the court of law Randy. of diddling these little Randy, kids. Randy, is he a pedo? I would say so. I think that the short story that it is based on was okay. based on uh, John Wayne Gacy. Okay. Well, I didn't see him. Uh, see a pedo? Who I believe was a pedophile. <laughs> he was a pedophile. I'm not pulling that clip oh. up. Now, here's the thing. John Wayne Gacy is often called the clown killer. He dressed as a clown, I believe, one time ever and did not kill anybody while doing it. By uh, so well, You've got to sell papers. We have, we have a magician 
with uh, 47 black balloons. Who did one magic trick. What do you do? I don't remember. Oh, I thought you were going to say he was disappearing to phallus and the little boys but again Maybe. it doesn't appear on camera i think you just get pedophile vibes from him because he's talking in a weird huh, i won't do anything you won't like he's kidnapping children <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you can have platonic kidnapping pedophile what if he okay well if he's turning them over to the uh, human trafficking ring maybe he's not diddling here's them. and see here's the thing this is why i have part of this is part of my problem with the film is that it flirts around with the subject without getting to it. Like we want to, we want to play in deep water and we don't at the same time. I, I don't know. I think this movie again. Now, one of the things I love about this movie is the writing. I've been thinking a lot about actually trying to do a movie. So get ready. Well, it's not going to happen. No, you, cause no, you can't talk about projects. Here's the thing. And, uh, they're not going to come to fruition. Exactly. That's why I'm not going any further, but right. I've been doing a lot Randy more. Cut that out. I've been doing a lot more writing and there's a way to craft a story and keep it interesting, which is why I always refer to this movie as a good Stephen King film. Like no matter what you think of his writing, his movies always feel lackluster or like they kind of were crammed into a, uh, 90 minute format. This film had a lot going on, and I think the story they're interested in telling is one of like trauma and like familial trauma. So I think, you know, we're given Ethan Hawke, who is a full blown, had a terrible childhood and is now abducting people as one of the coolest dressed magicians I've ever seen, where we also get the other end of a potential future Ethan Hawke, who is a, you know, perfectly uh, you know, he's the all-star pitcher. Actually, he's not because uh, he actually lost the game for them. Spoiler alert. But he's innocent and having a pretty good life. He's got the regular problems a uh, little kid has in the 70s, which is three very dorky bullies finding him in the bathroom and threatening him. Again, that redhead kid, he had no business being a bully. He was like a weekend away from those other two realizing that they should have been beating him up the whole time. That guy, I just could not buy it. But this is the kind of shit that would turn Ethan Hawke into a uh, killer. And I think we're doing a duality thing here. So the real villain in this movie, I think you're right, is his dad. Who, you know, having lost his mom who had a mental break or, you know, Jesus started talking to her and told her to jump off a building. You know, he's taking down his kids, especially his daughter. Yeah. So I think we're getting both. We're getting the story. It's just fragmented. Also. The most important character in this movie is the cocaine brother, our favorite from The Wire. James Ransom. Ken Park, who uh, gives himself a handy on screen. Yeah. There's brave acting for you. James yeah. Ransom's the dude, man. You know, I again, I, I saw this with Clark, and I had the complete different um, state of mind going into it. When I saw this movie originally, I said, this is going to be a movie that I'm going to watch. Everybody's going to fucking hate it. And then I'll end up playing a uh, devil's advocate or as Annie Hardy said, the devil needs no advocate. Uh, and I'll sit there and I'll be looking for interesting ideas. I thought it was fucking interesting all the way through. Um, it was pretty interesting, Randy, that Clark played Tim Dillon's Patreon where he reviewed the film. And despite having made a very funny trailer for an A24 film, I don't think Tim Dillon knows shit about film. We have a problem with our comedians right now. <laughs> None of them have any like ground to stand on when well, they're talking about film. Clearly, you don't listen to the Joe Rogan experience. Oh, dude, he's terrible at yeah. it. And, and you know and, who does? Who was mentioned earlier? Bobby Lee. 
Oh, is he a good? He's got a good film. Bobby he's got Lee, great Bobby, film taste. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Oh, let's get Bobby Lee on here. Let's talk to him. What did he think about the black phone? Yeah, because Bobby Lee was talking about the dark and the wicked. Oh, weird. And he's got a um, he's got an old boy poster in his uh, room. Yeah, that might just be a nationalism thing. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we lost Gilbert Gottfried, and he was he was one. I was liked one. his take on on old film. But um, yeah, I don't know. I again, I think Norm as well. We just can't agree on any fucking movie. Y'all fucking were jizzing your pants over the fart jokes and fluck gourmet. <laughs> it was good, but you can't fuck with the ghosts of a uh, non-diddled again, past. That was the thing, man. I, I think it, it was flirting of like, oh, look how edgy this is, but it wasn't edgy. You know, one of my favorite podcasters uh, goes by the name Clark Little. Told me one time, thank you so much. After watching the Vitch, mm-hmm. he was like, you know, I love the Vitch because it went for it. And you love the ending of that movie. Yeah. And I feel like this movie's doing the Stephen King thing where they don't give a fuck. They're going full genre. And I don't know. They went for it. Also, I love the Ethan Hawke, like, minimal performance here. He's kind of fucking around on camera a little bit. He's not on screen a lot, though. I don't like the phone. Me neither. <laughs> what are the rules? I'm just going to say. Dude. St- that's, yes. There, I don't understand it, Russell. Okay, here's the thing. Now, light spoiler territory. Again, this is just my theory, so I don't know if it's actually a spoiler. But clearly, the mother was, uh, she had something going on. She uh, she let Jesus take the wheel. But, again, her daughter might not believe in Jesus, and she still got powers, right? So why would we think that her brother wouldn't have anything? Okay. He's clearly a medium. And, you know, the device in the room wasn't a Ouija board. It was a phone. So he was able to communicate with the dead. Now, remember, all those kids said they were there, just nobody else could hear them. Yeah. Except for Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Who also had a, a you know, a bad dad. Yeah. Who beat him and probably didn't diddle him. Or maybe okay. he did. I still don't like it. But. That's, that's fine. But that makes more sense. Right. He's got a different kind of power. Okay. Also, shout out to my favorite of the non-diddled victims of Ethan Hawke. Uh, the pinball wizard Dude. who <laughs> my god that vignette i'd like to just own that can you put that on the a blu-ray for me yeah you you had a man crush on that kid dude so he fucking he's about to break his own score there's a crowd gathering this is a big deal they're at like the 7-eleven he's crushing on this fucking pinball machine then these little jabronis get into a fight over a fucking baja blast or something one of them bounces into the machine Kills the ball. Straight gutter ball. I don't know if that's pinball terminology, but he yeah. gutters it. So what does he do? He beats the shit out of that kid. But his buddy that he was he had a former quarrel with, he fucking has a switchblade. This is where I think most people would back down and be like, whoa, dude. Nah, not the pinball wizard. He fucking manhandles that guy. Takes his own blade and then carves the address of the future house he was going to be buried in in the basement into his forearm. That's, that's a true. fucking, that's how you write a movie. Three and a half stars. <laughs> Three, maybe less. Oh my God. I, okay. You know, it, it hurts. It's an open wound. Oksana, what did you give it? I was closer to like four. Five. Five stars, Oksana? My God. You gave it five? I give it four and a half. No, that was her. That oh was doing her God. voice. I give it four <laughs> and a half twice. I went back. I enjoyed it more the second time. I'd like to give a girl four and a half toys. <laughs> Gag All right. All right. Black hole phone. Won't you come? 
Won't you come for us? Wash away the stain. <laughs> Wash away the stain. Was oh, it my turn? Ethan Hawk is a pedophile. Okay. <laughs> my turn. Buckle up. You're going to hear some hot fucking takes right now. First, we're going to start with a uh, email we got from a publicist. I believe. Actually, I don't know how this movie came across our. Do you want to? It was, yeah, it was a publicist. Okay, it was an email. <laughs> Um, I had it open earlier, but I closed the tab, so we're going to be winging it. We watched this movie three and a half months ago. <laughs> Neon Lights. Oh, my goodness. And uh, now, from my memory, this is a weird one. We watched it like two weeks ago. I'm going to start off. I'm just going to say this is a three star for me. I don't think I would revisit it. Yet, me and Clark, me and Clark talked about this movie for probably the two and a half months that, since we watched it. We watched it two weeks ago. <laughs> It was at least half a year. Two and a half weeks. And here's the thing. Not a perfect film. I believe a first-time filmmaker. Am I correct? Yes. Name unpronounceable. <laughs> I, I mean, Randy, you want to give it a shot? I don't have it in front of me. I can right. look. Pull it up. Do your goddamn job. I feel like that Z is probably silent. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, this film... We're introduced uh, to somebody who's got a little bit of stage fright. He's backstage. He's pumping himself up. And uh, we're doing a little bit of camera trickery. I think we're doing an inner monologue out loud. And uh, he's introduced by a... Who's the host of that show? She's some blonde girl. She looked like she was going to be on Fox News or something. Yeah. Like, she's like, I'm pretty, but I'm also sharp or some shit. But she's being very polite. Megan Kelly. Yeah, very Megan Kelly. (laughs) And, you know, she brings it. She's like, it's okay. Come on out. And uh, our dude comes out, except, you know, you know who's in the uh, dressing room with them? The one and only Kim Coates. Kim Coates, who dude. Is, who is the devil. <laughs> he's not, he doesn't even have to say anything. There's something about the color of his eyes. Man. You just know he is not your friend. I love the Kim Coates. And he's, he's talking shit. And I think he's psyching this motherfucker out. Even though what he's saying is, dude, you got to get pumped up. You, got, you don't fucking embarrass me, I think. Actually, you know what? We should start with the synopsis. Tech tycoon Clay Amani retreats to an off-the-grid location in search of meaning and peace with disconnected siblings and their offspring, only to be caught in a bone-chilling killing spree with his new estate. Now, this does happen after the interview I'm talking about. Now, in the interview, it goes terrible. He, he's, what, CEO of a company. He's terrible in the interview. He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. She's got gotcha questions. We all knew it. We all knew she was going to do this shit. And he crumbles. He's fucked. Next thing we know, he's talking to a psychiatrist. And um, she she tends to agree with what I just said. She's like, we got to deal with your past, man. Like, it's there. And it, your subconscious is, there's turmoil. Also, the psychiatrist is played by Kim Coates' actual daughter. True. That, that was true. And you can tell. Oh, you can tell. You can tell. I, I liked her, too. She's um, good. And so she's like... Now we just got to deal with it. We got to take it head on. And then we go into like flashback, maybe dream sequence. It's hard to tell. We're introduced to a shining shot. We're following a car, uh, clearly a drone. We're probably not a helicopter. So we're driving to this location and then we get to the estate that is in the synopsis here. We're introduced to uh, our lead's family, which was incredibly confusing from what I remember. The casting on this was wild. 
Yeah, both incredible and confusing. So confusing. His brothers were nothing like him. And I think that was part of the point. I think we were doing an internal thing where uh, different personalities. One brother was a little player. His other brother was, uh, he had a family. He had a daughter who I clearly was on OnlyFans. This girl, they were trying to pass her off as being a teenager. But it's like, she was, the age was fluctuating. The daughter looked older than the mother. Yeah. And, but she also looked like she was at that age where she was like, she was fucking around on the internet. She was hooking up with people. Yeah. But they were trying to put her on this like innocent pedestal. Yeah. I don't know. At the end of the day, there's a lot to talk about here. The characters were interesting. The, the movie is confusing. We're like, what are we doing? We're jumping around, but there's not a lot of context for where we're jumping to. We go in and out of the psych ward, which it turns out it is. Uh, we're back in the estate. We're out of the estate. The family, they couldn't hate each other more. And they hate this dude for being a tech mogul. Also, he's got a giant mansion. And they're like, why do you have a giant mansion? And also abandoning them. Yeah, and abandoning them. They have a lot of father issues, much like, uh, you know, black phone. And at the end of the day, what me and Clark walked away with was we love the lead. We're just like, that dude, I want to watch him in another movie. He was good. But the big problem with Neon Lights, it's not a horror movie. Yeah. Every kill's off camera. And even in the synopsis we read, there's a killing spree. We think we're going to get into a family crumbling. There's a lot of allusion to an intruder coming in. Kim Coates is floating around, which is terrifying. And at the end of the day, there's no gore. Uh, Every kill's off camera. And it turns into like, I don't know, like a psycho melodrama or something. Yeah, they they lean more towards that. It's just, it's now again, you know, budgetary concerns are budgetary concerns. You do what you can. But I feel like just in this movie's bones, the person that made this film doesn't understand or doesn't care about horror. Yeah. And that is where ultimately I just felt with the movie is that was my problem with it. Yeah. Um, because like you said, man, like we've talked about this movie a lot. We've talked about it a lot. And I, and again, it's like, we didn't hate this movie. I quite enjoyed a good portion of this movie. But then just again, in its bones, you just (laughs) know it's not a horror film. And it was just, uh, it was an illusion. It was a fugazi. It was a fugazi. And you know, there's a thing that happens in film. I believe when we were talking about Crow 4, the kind of like mad, the mask kind of like, oh, I'm zany now. I'm crazy. The lead in this movie, he would go all over the place. And I was there with him the whole time. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I don't know a lot of actors that can make that work. <laughs> and he did. Yeah. It, dude. He do that for 90%. Of- <laughs> yeah. He was doing this like autistic techie who's like, oh, oh I, I don't know. I like women, but I hate them. And it's like. <laughs> It's like, what are you doing, dude? My house, my rules. Yeah, dude. It was so fucking weird. <laughs> oh, and then they they kind of, like the whole movie, we're in a giant mansion. It's it's rural. We even had the Shining opening. We know we're going the Shining route. Somebody might pick up an axe and start chopping through a door. I don't know. It's kind of there for it, though. Again, I can only give this movie three stars, though. I never want to watch it again. I may would watch parts of it again. I the may guy, watch the it guy was fun. <laughs> Kim Coates, I love Kim Coates. Dude, Kim Coates is incredible. That's that's the movie. Again, the biggest mistake the world of cinema fans have ever made is sleeping on Kim Coates 
in the Slipknot <laughs> movie that I cannot remember the name of. And Officer really, Down. Thank you. I thought if I had stalled long enough, it would pop in my brain. You know, Johnny Knoxville did a uh, remake of it called Officer Downs. <laughs> <laughs> Officer Down. Again, Kim Coates, we love you. Come on the show anytime. You will fire David Lynch for Kim Coates if you want to timestamp every episode. Um, okay, I got two more films. God, we must be running long. Um, I'll be quick here. I don't even know. I don't even know if I'm capable of that, honestly. Back to the year of my birth, 1985. It's a fantastic year. I'd fallen from the womb, and Ghoulies was created. How it works? (laughs) (laughs) I abandoned ship, and uh, at the exact moment when Ghoulies had hit the cutting room floor, Ghoulies, um. It's a film. It's got the puppets. You know, the one in the toilet. Uh, Creepy Clark wrote a lot of poetry about the ghoulies. I believe he called them hot ghoulies. I can't. I can't. I'm paraphrasing. No, you called. I didn't do nothing. You. Don't you fucking. You called William a hot ghoulie. Oh, that's okay. William is a hot ghoulie. Let's, dude. Let's get William in a new ghoulies. William's just a large ghoulie. <laughs> He's a sexually active ghoulie. I didn't I didn't know that the ghoulies were so tiny. The ghoulies fucking rule, dude. Ghoulies fuck. Um also the first ghoulies, you know, you look at it and it's set up to be a slasher film or like kind of uh, you know, a bunch of kids are partying in a mansion kind of like neon lights and there's a haunting. And there's no haunting. Just a couple of fucking wizards here. Yeah. And they summon they summon the midgets from him in the cl- trapped in the closet. They're summoning ghoulies from the toilet. This film is fucking fantastic. Again, it's one that I loved when I was little. And I, I've revisited it several every decade of my life. And each time I'm like, this is gonna blow and I'm gonna hate it this time. And I think I've liked it more and more each time. I really love all the candles in the basement. I love all the 80s glasses in this movie. I love all of the shenanigans like the the wizard turns into a cougar to seduce one of the people and then shoots his tongue out and wraps it around his throat. And you're like, why did you do that there? You could have done practically. You could have told the guy just go in the basement. He would have done it. The uh, people uh, suggest playing strip poker with a 90 percent male <laughs> group of friends. They're still this in movies. Fucking wild. <laughs> um, the ghoulies again. They're the Pokemon of the horror world. And, you know, I'm thinking about it now. I think I got to get a ghoulies tattoo. Is that, can it, is it approved, Oksana? With the cat puppet? Oh, I could do the cat puppet. Where? I don't know. I'd do the cat puppet if you got the bat ghoulie. There's like a flying squirrel. As a tramp stamp. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, ghoulies is fantastic. Y'all probably have heard people wax poetic about this film. Dude, for a bat tramp stamp? That's the only way you can go. That's badass, dude. Dad. <laughs> He's a pedophile. All right, I got one more. Again, I'm not. I'm not joking. I really do love the Ghoulies. Now, um, what about all the sequels? You know, did you see Ghoulies Three? Ghoulies Go to okay, College. So first, so the Ghoulies are kind of an afterthought, honestly. In the first movie, they're there, but it's one of those marketing things where you almost feel like, oh, Gremlins like really crushed it. Put them on the cover, where they're not the main focus. Ghoulies 2, they're the main focus. And they're injected into slavery, dude. They're brought to a carnival. They're caged. They're let loose What are they, in a minions? Yeah, no, they're not. Dude, are minions the, the, no, the new don't, ghoulies? Don't fucking talk about minions. They don't like minions. They're yellow. It's Same. very uncomfortable. Um, ghoulies 3, though, 
that's the curveball. That's where Clark would love it. Because in Ghoulies 3, we open up and they're in college. And you're like, okay, that's a little weird. And when they show up on screen, they fucking talk. They're telling jokes. And it's like, what? <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're a, a loyalist and you're up for Ghoulies 1 and 2, you, you might jump ship right at the They don't talk in 1 and 2. No. And in this one, they're telling jokes, dude. They're drinking beer. Also, Kane Hodder is a stuntman in Ghoulies 3. He plays a dude who gets bumped into a uh, mop bucket and goes down a flight of stairs. Can we watch Ghoulies 3 tomorrow? We could. Dude, I'm down. I love Ghoulies 3. I had a weird relationship with it growing up. I'm on board. All right. I think you would fucking. I'm down for I think you would be psyched. And then 10 minutes in, you would disappear and not come back for the rest of the movie. I was a new Clark, dude. That's true. And again, you have been a joy. I mean this. He's been so fun to hang out with. Randy, you rec- you still recording this episode? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And for everybody, this is not a bit. Clark has been a uh, a joy. It's incredible. And I am still waiting for the day that I find him hanging in the hallway because this can clearly not continue. I watch what another movie. support me in the hallway? <laughs> Dude, you're on Amazon all the time. You could find some... Amazon. Although this would be a like day project. I don't know if you could put it together. That's true. Well, I'll tell you something. If the kookaburra wings don't resurface back at Outback, <laughs> you're going to be looking at moving a body out of this house. You're going to go kookaburra insane. Almost some kookaburra wings. Now I got one more movie. Okay. Ghoulies, like I mentioned, was a surprise fantasy film. The next one I uh, watched. So now let me give you a little context. Our boy Charlie Steeds was on the show. To Charlie. The Barge People. Oh, uh, you know what? I should have pulled that clip. I don't have it ready. The Barge People. The Barge People. And we've loved Charlie Steeds ever since. He's a young man who's made 48 films. What, what episode was he on? <laughs> 210, and he was 26 at the time. And how many films did he made? Like eight feature? Um, I think he's up to nine or ten. The man cannot stop making films. And I was like, you know... When we were talking to him, he had made a werewolf in England. Is that the name of the the feature? Mm-hmm. It was like a comedy movie that was a werewolf. And I'm like, all right, cool. It, it sounds like he might be in a castle or something. And we love the dude. So we're like, fuck it. Um, a werewolf in England is the name. And I'm like, okay, well, let's do it. We had some people over. We just got done watching Ghoulies. And one of them was like, I really want to see a new werewolf movie. And I'm like, oh, I got one for you. Then while we're looking up Charlie Steeds, it turns out, he had made an even newer werewolf movie. This one it was made in 2021 and it was called Werewolf Castle. And I'm like, wait, what, what does that mean? Now, we had just come off of a fantasy film. So I'm like, I feel like this is the better transition. We go on YouTube, check out a trailer. We're like, yeah, we're watching this. It's Lord of the Rings with werewolves. So we're like, let's do it. And here's the thing. Charlie Steeds is not uh, rolling in the dough. As uh, one might put it, he's rolling in the deep. He's rolling in the deep. And it looked like there was some money in here. Now, having watched the film, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this short. I don't think horror fans are going to love it. If you're a fantasy fan and you've uh, been burnt many times by independent fantasy movies, this one's good. There's a weird thing going on. The locations, fantastic. I don't know where some of these sets came from. It looks like he has a Nordic village in this movie full of like, um, there's like town hall and everything. I mean, you could die in this town and you're definitely going to Valhalla. And the extras are great. There's a lot of people on set. There are several werewolf costumes. And 
they look good. And there's a journey. We're traveling through areas that look like they're not on this planet. Very headhunter-esque. Like the cinematography really helps paint this fantasy picture. And there's one thing, and only horror fans are going to be bothered by it. There's no gags in the movie. There's no gore. Tits? There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of choreography. There's no nudity. Mm -hmm. But again, nudity is off the table. You you got 84,000 streaming porn sites for free people don't care you're not getting no nudity. it's not about that it, titillating what is in the beginning is there nudity in the format i can't remember if there is oh there might be a nipple nudity is not pornographic titillating you well, boomer no no you're talking schlocky horror nudity which is all about being titillating we're not going to fucking land unpronounceable with randy watching a a budding romantic uh setting on a train this is very different. In in this movie, it would be nudity that is made to make you erect. There's none of that. But if you're what if nudity does not make me erect? <laughs> I need like blood drawn. You need little boys being diddled in a basement, and even that didn't seem to work. Apparently, I found out through Tim Dillon that people that are into like blood play are bug chasers. Holy, you're gonna have to unpack that for me. <laughs> people who are into blood play, so they like to bleed. Yeah, or get blood on them. Okay. They're bug chasers. They're they're what? Bug chasers. Like a virus. Yeah. Oh. I was like like bed bugs? <laughs> like I <laughs> like, oh, I want to bleed. Get the bed bugs out. Yeah. They're gonna suck on me. Wow, you really derailed me with that. What does that have to do with Werewolf Castle? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> okay, Werewolf Castle. Everything visually here is great. Um, if you are a fantasy fan who is used to the title never coming into play, don't worry. There's a werewolf castle. And at the end of this movie, that location is fucking fantastic. Dude, everything about this film, it just works. Charlie Steed, I fucking hate you. He's making movies out there. I don't know how. But again, if you're there to watch a little bit of gore, there's a brief transformation. There's also a very crisp. Oh. I I have to I have to talk about how disappointing our heroes are in this movie. He does a great job of setting them up and you're like these guys are going to fuck up some werewolves. They're pathetic. They're fucking terrible. They're they're almost like infuriating how bad they are. Yeah. Right? I'm not making this shit up. One guy's intro is you don't need an intro. Here you're, you're uh, what's it called precedes you. They call him the blood hurricane. Ooh. He's the blood fucking hurricane. You know what happens? He dies via sword being shoved down his throat by his dad. Mm. That's the theme of the show, daddy issues. And he's look a bald, of my Chris, life. bald Chris Angel motherfucker. And that's why you have to get the Psycho Magic book <laughs> to learn how to deal with your dad. Again, uh, spoiler, wrap meat around your dick that you've stolen. Again, werewolf, you know, the problem here, no gore. Nobody gets their head. There is a head decapitation. It's CG. A lot of CG blood. There's no in-camera special effects so if you're a horror fan you're not going to be into it if you're a fantasy junkie check it out or if you're just a good member of the overlook cult support charlie steves because he's a friend and we love him and he's british he's british okay we did it what a long episode what may i say this is our best work. <laughs> <laughs> so having that in mind, Oksana Valerian of Osachi, anything that we should leave our listeners with? You have the last word. Uh, 
but watch Bad Ben Eulogy at badbentv.com. Ben, bad oh my God. Wait, wasn't there a real plug that you wanted to do? Not yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, here, let me end the show with this. The parse people. Don't really how we're going to end. <laughs> Randy, he's better you don't like this. the barge people? Okay, how about this? Our new favorite thing in the show. Coming up on UPN. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Statt. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye. <laughs>